Hello and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians and counting for nearly 50 years. I am so delighted to welcome my guest today. It's the brilliant Mr. Jack Doherty. Hello. Hooray. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you? Very well. How are you? A thousand, a thousand comedians you've seen. It's something like twelve hundred. It's ridiculous. That's insane, man. It is. It's it's bonkers. So how often? Are you, I know you're meant to be interviewing me, but how often do you go to a comedy gig? Every week, presumably. I go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Times Every a week. Once a week. Uh, yeah, once a week. Twice. I like. I don't like to go early on in the week. I can't do it every night. I'm getting yeah, yeah. I'm old. I'm 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 55 <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah, fair uh, enough. But you know, it's as long as as long as I'm mobile, as long as I can do it, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, do it. and uh, we're going we're going to headliners tomorrow. Right. The to Al Murray, he's playing there. Nice. Um, and it's it's wonderful, you know. So That'd be great. So Good. Fun. Well, long may it continue, Richard. Long may it continue. Thank you so much. And I'm always uh, always nice to see your um, happy face in my audience. I've seen it a few times. Exactly. We'll come on to that later. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. It's going to be an interview for about an hour, uh, going on about your all, all about your comedy career. Okay. Now, I, may, I may interject with the right. story here and there, but um, uh, I'm really looking forward to talking to you. I'm a massive fan. How did you become a comedian and comedy actor in the first place, please? Well, it's really, I became a comedy actor through, it was really, it was through the Edinburgh Festival, but it was really, but to get to the Edinburgh Festival, it was through my school. Um, So I did, like lots of comedians, you know, did the kind of, the school reviews and the, you know, whatever. The, we had a school review and we had a kind of Shakespeare society thing where you took the piss out of Shakespeare. <laughs> then we did various charity things every year. So there was about three or four opportunities to do some performing and comedy. And I got into that. And then the guys um, that were in the Bodgers, which became absolutely um, Gordon and uh, Gordon Kennedy, Pete Bakey and Murray Hunter, they were like five years above me at school and they were right. setting up. Uh, uh, a show in the festival in 1980, in the last century. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, they came to see my sixth form review. And I actually think they came because Murray and Pete were um, chasing the same woman, right. uh, a girl that was in my year. <laughs> and um, I can't remember who won that fight, but, uh, <laughs> but instead they got me rather than the girl. So they got me, we're doing this show. Do you want to come and join us? So I, I said, yeah, why not? Um, and again, it was just something that we were going to do in the summer holidays, you know, from we were all students or or they, some of them had started their jobs. And but then it just went on, you know, each year we thought, well, that was fun. We'll do it again. And then by about, you know, the first few years we weren't that good. Um, fortunately, this was before everything was recorded because I'd hate to see. <laughs> I, I feel bad for people starting out now because you can't escape from yeah. you know, everything you do is on, on tape, yeah. on your phone. Um, 
so we carried on then we, we got to get better and better and and then we got you know we got uh, up for the perry award so it was obviously that we were doing quite well and then people from television companies yeah they began to ask us to to write for them murray and i were the the writers of the bodger shows um so they asked us to write for them yeah Chris Tarrant did and um angus deaton and jeffrey perkins from radioactive and uh, so uh, we just kind of so we became writers we just kind of like lots of people stumbled into it it was just kind of like well we'll just give this a go i mean why not let's we it's that or be a lawyer and we thought well <laughs> well you know, the rest is history the rest <laughs> is history i mean i dropped that murray already was a lawyer right so we had each other to support our, each other so we could both drop out at the same time and it was easier for me because i was only in second year at uni and i was i remember directly i was doing a studying a case on the common ownership of tenement drain pipes <laughs> well, hang on. That says it all. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I can do this for the rest of my life. Um, so we took the chance. We packed up our little car and we headed down to London. Um, rented wow. a, rented a, a room, you know, a couple of rooms and a place in Fulham. Um, oh, and went for it. Um, and so we were writers for, for a long time. Uh, but then we went back to performing. Mm. Um, I um I just came down to London in 1988, so I've spent mm. half my life here. Um, my yeah, home's yeah. Carlisle, but I, I went to college in Stoke, and I did a business studies, yeah, HMD, and so it was all it's all admin yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. stuff I'm doing, and and the comedy is is been such a release, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. I I um started writing down on an enormous spreadsheet every act I've ever seen. Uh, and and yeah. as, I, as, I, as I said at the top of the thing, there's there's about 1,200 comedians yeah. on there now. It's just bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> So 88, but, yeah, well, there was a lot of comedians then. We, yeah. we play jongleurs and yeah, yeah. Tunnel, Malcolm Hardy's Tunnel Club. And That's right, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're young and it's like, you know. Oh, it's great. It's you just great. get wrecked afterwards, walk home. Fast <laughs> yeah. So, as you said, you performed in a sketch group called The Bodgers mm. between 1980 and 1985. Yeah. And were nominated twice for the Perry Award. That's incredible. Well, yeah, yeah. But didn't win it, you'll notice. You'll notice. But at least you were nominated. At least we were nominated. <laughs> <laughs> Following on from that, what is your view of comedy competitions do you think they're a good thing for a comedian well i guess it depends whether you win them or not <laughs> they're, um, <laughs> no they're they're fine it's always a little bit weird to you know put you to go into competition with other acts because they're everything's slightly different you know okay. it, the, the perry award sort of became for a while an award for the best stand-up but when we were doing it, it was really varied. I mean, one year it was us, Pank Wangford, which was a country and Western band, the Frank Chickens, yes. Japanese kind of performance art duo, Paul B. Davis telling stories, a comedy brass band, Theatre de Complicité, who went on to become the best kind of indie theatre group in Britain. They won it in 85. So we were happy to lose to them because that was kind of my uh, show that a minute too late and more bigger snacks now by Theatre de the complicity I must have seen about 10, 12 times. I just went again and again and again. It was so good. 
Yeah. Whereas the year before, the, a comedy brass band, it's always hard to lose to a comedy brass band when you're <laughs> when you're doing your writing, when you're you're honing your words to perfection, and then an oompa band come out and get the, get the award. Um, so it's kind of you know I don't know it, it, we've won some, we've lost some a lot. I mean, just last week I was up for amazingly best actor at the Scottish Baftas. Um, which Dugri Scott won, but that was like the first time I've been up for a, like a proper acting award. And it's in that one, it was like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of, it's good that you're just in the company of these people. And I think, I always think that when I look at, you know, or like the Booker Prize, you know, they're all this, if you get to the last six, all those books are brilliant. You know, it's just a great yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, but they're definitely worth it just for getting your name out there and getting you on the map, particularly when you're starting out. And I was, I was, it got I was us known, you know. And yeah, I was gonna, I was, I was, I was gonna say, you think it? I, I think it does obviously help a career, mm. um, completely, because you've won a major award or whatever, and and yeah. you get you get known and everything. So you get the recognition. So it's, yeah, the recognition it's definitely worth it, and it's quite good now that you get um, newcomers, you know, award as well as the main yeah. award. So that really yeah. gives a kickstart to people who are maybe a couple of years away from getting the main one. Uh, I haven't seen her yet, but Lara Racote apparently is fantastic. I was out in Amsterdam doing my Nothing But show, and she was on the same weekend, and we met. So I'm um, going to see her in January. So I can't wait for that. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes, yes. Um, all, um, in the 80s, Maury Hunter and yourself became yep. staff writers for BBC Radio. Yeah. You contributed to such classic comedy shows oh. as, as you said, Radioactive, Weekend In, and The News Quiz. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you became radio writers. Uh, we it was suggested to us by Angus uh, Dayton and right. Jeffrey Perkins. We were writing for Radioactive anyway, both for their live show and their radio show, and they'd done it. I think I think Angus and Jeffrey had done the the bursary the one year, and lots of people had done it before us. I, I can't remember who they were, but it was people like the Jimmy Mullins and the Jeffrey Perkins and the Angus Deatons of this world. And um, maybe Douglas Adams did it? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a great way of, you know, you got three grand or whatever, which was a lot of money back in those days. It was enough to get you down, pay some rent on a on a flat in London. Um, but you came, we came down, and it was like old school. I was pretty young. I was about 20, I suppose, and Mara must have been 24 or something. And I can't remember the name of the guy who ran BBC Radio Comedy at the time. But it was kind of one of these old school. It was like going into an episode of The Crown from the 1950s. You go into the incredible building that you've seen on television, the Art Deco building, you know, and you went up to his office and he gave you a large scotch, you know, and just sort of went, well, how about it, boys? And we went, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And then you join this corridor and, you know, filled with uh, all these people. Uh, and Amazing. You see the direct connection right back to the goons. And, yeah, you know, yeah. You've got recording yeah. shows and you go down to the, it was the Paris studios back in the day and you come outside and there's, you've been performing and writing and there's an old lady who's been there since 1925 and she's collected an autograph <laughs> of every single person that's ever been in the BBC. She shows you Frank Sinatra's autograph and stuff like this. Absolutely insane. Um, and so we did that. And then it said, we weren't meant to write for other shows, but they let us. Because right. we got offered a spinning image gig. Um, mm. We couldn't really turn that down. So we kind of sneaked off under cover of darkness to commercial television whilst we were meant to be radio staff writers. <laughs> um, but they didn't. They were very nice about it. They, 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 they let us go. So, um, 
Yeah, just like most things, it was through contacts. We, yeah. just, we, got, what, we got put up for the job by people who'd had it before. Basically. Yeah, yeah. What, um, what's, what I've loved as well is that I've been in the audience for many a radio mm. show and, mm. and many a TV recording, but they, mm. with, with the radio shows, I would go to the Now show, I would have been to Weekend In. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, one one particular memory at the now show, they have um, they they have this uh, the um, little piece of paper on the on the chair yeah. before you go in, and it's um, for my one. It was um, what's the most uh, stupidest thing that ever happened to you at school? And mine was when I was in sixth form, I fell asleep. Some bastard <laughs> tipexed my glasses, and when I woke up, I thought I'd died. <laughs> and, the, and the guest on, on the show was John Coulshaw, and he read it out as though he was Alan yeah. Bennett. And he put that on the radio. Uh, perfect. So, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful medium to, to, yeah, to write yeah. for because your imagination, I can imagine, yeah. must run wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, they always say that, don't they? That's one of the old yeah. issues that, that radio is the most visual. Of exactly. all regions, you know, that's why the Hitchhiker's Guide worked so yeah. They've never really quite captured it either in film or television, but it was the perfect radio show. Perfect radio. Absolutely yeah, perfect. Yeah. Because Zephod yeah. Beeble Brox, you can see him. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, not yeah. a little prosthetic head, you know, <laughs> wobbling around here. Um, yeah, and doing radio is the most fun as well because it's so immediate. Yeah. And, you know, we probably will come on to it later, start, stop, start the show that I did. Yes, definitely. Because yeah. it's only one day recording or, you know, you know, two or three days a month or something, if that, if that, then you can get, you know, we can, you can get Charlie Hickson and Catherine Parkinson and yeah. Harry Godleman, you know, because it's, you know, it's only one day out of their, their lives, whereas yeah, in television, yeah. it's a bigger commitment. So, that, you know, um, that's hard. Very, to very much so. Um, also in the 80s on TV, as you said, you wrote for Spitting Image, you wrote for Alas Smith and Jones, mm-hmm. Lenny Henry Show, and you were script editor on the first series of Vic Reeves' Big Night Out. How yes. cool are you? That's extraordinary. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm, it was uh, called... Was I, maybe I was script editor. I can't remember what I was called, but that was the easiest job in the world. <laughs> that was just... Because all I had to do was go... That's really funny and that's hilarious. Just go and do it. <laughs> you know, I can. I really I can, felt like I was stealing the money that on that <laughs> job. I just had because they they knew what they were doing. They didn't need me. Oh, they're amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. It was the most I exciting can, time. I, it was great to be around that show when it burst out. We'd just done absolutely. Um, so I think that's why they asked me because at least I'd had it. I'd had some experience of making TV shows and I was right. still quite young. So they just mm-hmm. wanted someone to. To, to you know, keep an eye on it, but I didn't need to. <laughs> I can remember first watching it on Channel Four, thinking, "What the hell's this?" But yeah. you, you were glued to it. Yeah. And then uh, I went to see uh, Vic Reeves' Big Night Out on tour. Yes. And, and the highlight was um, Les, the electrician, yeah. walking yeah, yeah, yeah. on, climbing up a ladder with a fishing rod. And trying to fish for loaves of bread, and if he got <laughs> yeah, yeah. if he got one, he got a standing ovation from the audience. It oh, was good. utter genius. Yeah, because we used to go and see it at Deptford down there, yeah. where they had a That's residence. Really- <laughs> I was hanging out with Lisa Mayer at the time, who was oh wow, who wrote, who wrote Young Ones, so young we ones yeah, all the time. Yeah. 
And it was it was like a you know a revivalist rally. It was like a religious <laughs> rally that people were just so into. It, it was so great. I still think one of my favorite gigs of all time was going to the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, where Murray and I were performing early nineties, I guess. And Vic and Bob were there, and they did oh. their act in, in one of the smaller, like four hundred still, you know, four hundred people maybe. And they they made absolutely no concession at all to the fact that it was in Canada. <laughs> And then the Canadians wouldn't get the references to Keith Chegwin or, or, who, or whoever they were talking about. <clears throat> and it was just <laughs> silence, complete silence, apart from the eight of us Brits at the back just pissing ourselves. They were, I mean, yeah, the best. The best there is that pair, yeah, no question. Yeah, yeah. Um, all, all these TV shows that you wrote for, were there any differences that you found between writing for TV and writing for radio? Uh, money, you get more money <laughs> um, for writing. <laughs> um, no, no, there's not, there's not much, you know. No, there's not a huge amount of difference, you know. A, a sketch is a sketch, a joke is yeah. a joke. You just have to adapt and and make it, you know, work in a different way. I, you, the, the, the money thing is a, it, it, it is an issue because it it costs a lot. There's so, there's fewer sketch shows now because they're so expensive, but. In the 80s, when Murray and I started, you could be writing for six or seven or eight of them at a time. And that was the thing, that if you got it wrong or it didn't work, it was an expensive business. I remember that Murray and I wrote a sketch once, um, which was just, it was a very simple quickie of, um, you know those signs when you're driving on the motorway, which have you know a massive cup of tea and a massive bed and a, and a <laughs> knife and fork saying, you know, off here, you know, to get your supplies and everything and the sketch was just well you have driving in and then coming out of the flatbed truck with a massive cup and, <laughs> and a huge bed on the back of the and of course you you arrive and you arrive on set and someone's made the someone's made a giant <laughs> you know just because just because one night you were stoned in a pub and thought that was amazing. <laughs> and then often you'll write a sketch and it will work you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much does it cost them to, you know, to hire a football stadium to do our quickie, and then we never go out. We never go out. So, um, yeah, but there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no real difference. I don't. No, no, um, no. Um, you know. I I first saw you on TV as a member of Sketch Group. Absolutely. Ah, yes. Came on TV long time ago. Yeah. Now, I I thought, and the rest of the family. And Carlisle thought it was one of the best sketch shows ever okay. on television. It really was. Excellent. It was. It was like a forerunner to the fast show. It was like a. Yeah. It was. It, it. It was so innovative. I. Re, I, I remember yeah. specific. You did a. I think you played a teacher. I remember this sketch specifically where this. I hope cute, I can remember it. <laughs> this, this. This. This very cute little girl was drawing a picture. And you just burst in the door, ran up manically, and ripped it up and walked up together. That's right. The whole sketch was about things you wish you could do but but can't. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, was it, was, it was just inspired. Yeah, um, yeah. That was that was because I just I'd just begun at that age starting meeting young kids who would come up with a little going, Well, that's rubbish, isn't it? That's just really rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Please, please can you explain how absolutely came about and it's a uh, spin-off mr jo mr don and mr george which i also loved yes as well. 
Yeah, the only one series of that, sadly. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it, 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 it was inspired. There yeah, should have been more. Yeah. Yes, uh, we did have fun doing that. Uh, well, absolutely came about. We were doing the Bodgers at yeah. the festival, and then Alan Nixon, one of the radio producers, got us to do a series on radio called simply, in other words, the Bodgers. We did that, and there was four Scottish voices, so English audiences were confused. As Gordon Kennedy always says, you know, Lord Lord Bufton of Tufton would phone up and go, I, do, I can't work out how many of them there are. Are there six? Are there 20? Is there one of them? I have no idea what's, what they're saying. Because <laughs> there's that old, there's an old apocryphal story that, uh, uh, that a Scottish show was turned down by BBC London because it had six people in it. And then the, the, the commissioner down in London said, that'd be just ridiculous. It'd be like having six man wells, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we were a minority. So, but it was a fair point, actually. We do all sound very similar. And so we got in Alan, we already knew Marwenna Banks and John Sparks from life and from the circuit. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, we, we, he, Alan put us together and we did a second series called Bodgers, Banks and Sparks. And then we all loved working together. We we're all Celts. So we had a very similar viewpoint of the world. And then we thought, well, let's try and get a TV show. And we kept, we sent a couple of versions of the script to Channel 4. And they said no initially. And they kept saying, well, you know, it's not translating. It's not coming off the page, you know, necessarily. I could see what they're doing because so much of it is just down to how we performed it. Particularly if it's something like John Sparks hums green sleeves whilst <laughs> holding his trouser leg and doing a strange dance. And you kind of go, well, <laughs> am I really going to entrust a million pounds to these people to make a show? Um, so we, in an act of young person's bravery and kind of foolhardiness, which is something that you know we would, I would never do now, but it's just what you do when you're young. We said, okay, well, we'll come in and we'll perform it to you in Channel 4, just us and whoever you, you want. And it was so it was just the commissioning team. Yeah. Seamus Cassidy and his assistant and Mike Bolland, who was then head of the comedy department, was walking past and said, well, I'll come in and I'll, I'll see it as well. And I think there's maybe another couple of people. So we just performed it, you know, it's, you know, just sold it as hard as we possibly could. We went crazy in a boardroom in Channel 4, you know, the whole show, you know, 40 minutes of it. And then they really liked it and said, okay, we'll give you a pilot. So we piloted it, and then that went down well with the studio audience in London. And I think that was the final tick because it, it, it they were seeing that this Celtic stuff worked fine with the London audience, therefore it's going to work anywhere. Um, and so they gave us a, a series and we just were, you know, we're giddy with excitement because... That must have been you know, incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible... It's, it's a feeling that has never sort of... Everything's been downhill since then, Richard. No, <laughs> that, no. That, that walking out, that. walking out <laughs> of that meeting and getting that, getting our series, it was so exciting that we sort of went on the piss for about a month. <laughs> Thank yourself, silly. Uh, and then, and so we did four series and it just, it just sort of built and built, you know. And, you know, by the end, I think it was getting like three, four million people watching it, which, you know, back back then was okay. <laughs> now it would be... Like, well, unheard of. Yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. There was less, less people back then. Uh, and then we'd had enough of the sketch shows, so then Murray and I thought, well, let's do a spin-off. And we liked playing Don and George because it was kind of so surreal. And again, it was slightly experimental. Somebody, and I think it was Marty Feldman, said, unreal people in a real situation always works. Real people in an unreal situation always works the only thing that never works is unreal people in an unreal situation so we thought we'd test that theory because it's kind of not it's not based anywhere it's sort of it just exists and 
these people's minds. It's just kind of a collection of jokes and idiocy. Um, and but the people who loved it really loved it. And the people who hated it really hated it. It's the only show I've done that was I think it was the Observer. I can't remember. It was in the best of the year and the worst of the year on the same page. <laughs> from two different. From two different. I can't, I can't imagine anybody not yeah. liking it. it so, yeah, so that's yeah, original. that's what it was like. But um, so it, it kind of. They were looking for a really surreal sitcom, and ours was the first attempt. And then they did Paris, I think, with Alexis Sale. But then it finally came together with Father Ted. Yeah, real yeah, people yeah. In an unreal situation, so that 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 was what Channel Four was looking for. And then, and then the, by God, Father Ted really delivered it. You know, um, mm. but Don and George, you know, people still come. You know, God, it's what is it? Thirty years on, people still stop <laughs> talk about it. It's crazy. I was just going to say, Channel Four's just had its fortieth um, anniversary. Yes. Do you think either absolutely or Mr. Don and Mr. George will ever reappear? I don't think so. No. I mean, you can get them on demand. It's on four yeah. this thing, but they don't really repeat things much on Channel Four, and I, I think it'd be very well, you, unlikely. Do you ever think you'll do any new ones? Oh, any new stuff? Well, no. But the guys got together and did a radio show. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that, so yeah. they, they became a five-piece. Right. Uh, rather than a six-piece, and uh, had enormous success with it, which obviously was hugely disappointing for me because I was. Hoping... <laughs> <laughs> Please obviously... stop putting yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I was hoping that it would crash and burn without me. That was the indispensable. <laughs> Turns out, not the case. Uh, no, I, yeah, because I just thought, well, I, I'd done that. I didn't really fancy going back and uh, going yeah, yeah. the same yeah. ground. But um, I think they did three series actually on radio. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Something like that. I remember. I remember it being on radio. Yeah, yeah. Letters, but no, I don't. I don't think. Um, no, that 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 was then. This is now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in 1997, yes, you were part of the launch of Channel Five. It was me. And I, was, I was. I was working <laughs> in the Ministry of Agriculture yeah, at Whitehall Place, and your yeah. Boarding of the Jack Doherty show. Yeah. Is was the you hosted the first five night a week chat show. That's amazing. And I would bring everybody along yeah. I worked with, and not one of them didn't enjoy it. You, yeah, good. you were the perfect host. <laughs> Very and, nice. Uh, for me, it gave me an enormous amount of confidence because. Um, I I realised I had a loud laugh, but I would always sit <laughs> yeah, yeah. right right at the back or whatever. But yeah, I, yeah. I would inch myself forward every, every time. Every time I go, you were brilliant at that. You must have enjoyed yeah. it. I, I I I remember particularly one episode. There was a, um, a Scotland were playing in the World Cup. And you yeah. refused to record the show until after the yeah. <laughs> So we all enjoyed watching it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we probably I, got I, probably I cannot got thank you enough for that. <laughs> you, uh, cool. you, you made me very, very happy. I was I, yeah. I was well you were there a lot. I remember your I remember your laugh. <laughs> I remember you, it must, well. you, you must have had a good experience hosting it. Yeah, although I mean a good and bad. I mean it was it was up and down because it was a bit relentless. Yeah. I think one night a week is it's one of the best jobs you can have in the world because yeah. you just meet you meet so many interesting people. Yeah, you have a lot of fun. But the treadmill, it's a bit tricky, particularly if you don't have the money. Someone once told me that we made the show for the entire show 
for the same amount that David Letterman paid on getting cars for his uh, guests. Wow. <laughs> on <laughs> or, ca- or catering or something, you know. It was, like, it, was just, it was so tight. It was so tight financially. But, you know, but it I've got a lot of happy memories of doing it. And it was the first writing jobs for lots of people like Cecil and Riley and, you know, David Mitchell and Robert Webb started yeah. the Armstrong and Sam Bain wrote on it, you know. So it was really, it was a great breeding ground for people who went on to do fantastic things and there's very few jobs in the world where you end up sitting in the dressing room sharing a packet of cigarettes with david Bowie. you know i mean it's just <laughs> it's insane you know and i met pythons and i met politicians and i met you you know, a lot writers that i really really admired you know i've got some like a great collection here of signed books from all the authors that came on you know so it was really it was a lot of fun but in the end it wasn't i found i was just I found it almost frustrating at the end that people would come on and I would be asking them about what they, what show they'd done or what mm. tour they were doing. You know, it's not I wanted to be doing, doing myself, you know, yeah, or you've written right. a sitcom. I wanted to be writing a sitcom or, or performing comedy or, or whatever. Um, so it was it was nice to dip my toes into it, but it's not something I would have wanted to have done all my life like some do. But it's, as, as, as you say, it's great to have the experience of doing really? a catch show. You know, it's Absolutely. a massive tick on your CV. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, yeah. it's a great thing to have done and to at least attempt the first five nights a week. You know, <laughs> so, well, congratulations! Yeah, yeah. Was... Thank you so much for doing it because well, thanks for coming. The, the three years I absolutely loved it. Yeah, and um, uh, Gordon Southern and Michael yeah. Legg, who were the warm-ups on yeah. it. Michael Legg's done this podcast, ah. and we mentioned your. Show he was nearly uh, tears. Well, oh my uh, god, he said, I, I love that. I love yeah. and dear old Gordon Southern. When I was at the Edinburgh Festival, I saw yeah. him 20 odd years later and he, yeah. he walked out. He went, Oh my god, Mr. Lyle, yeah. 1997. <laughs> <laughs> and, exactly. and, and just wonderful. And and yeah. um, so, thank and didn't you so Stephen, much. Stephen K. Amos, I think, he, yeah, who yeah. also gone on to get he, yeah. he, it was a warm up as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had you had an extraordinary yeah, yeah. lineup, and you were very, very, very good at doing it. That's why we yeah. kept. It back. was yeah, it was quite fun. It was quite fun when we got the bits that we really loved doing. Me and, and people like Phil Edgar Jones, who's now running Sky Arts. He was the yeah. editor. We would love doing the stuff that was really experimental, uh, and the audience. We'd always go to these kind of. We go to Channel Five, and they'd have, you know done uh, you know focus groups. And they'd go, you know, we just like Jack to do a bit more of a nice little chat. People, <laughs> we'd be going, so not that the, was the thing. You like we did something with, um, with Martin Clunes, <laughs> where we said, okay, what we're going to do, Martin, is we're just going to, you just refuse to answer any question. I'll ask about man, men being badly. Just refuse <laughs> to answer. And then the next question, just say, I don't want to talk about that, and just keep until the audience feel really uncomfortable. Then we'll sit staring at each other in silence, and sound will slowly raise the sound of a of a, of a tap dripping <laughs> in the background. <laughs> and we're just, we're just staring at each other. And me and Phil were thinking, this is the funniest thing ever. <laughs> that's what's the audience crazy. just looking at us, going, oh, you know, what, what, what are they doing? Just asking them a question. So, yeah, what can you do? I always remember sitting in the audience, you used to play a lookalike game and, and, and you get the lookalike on the TV at the start. And I, every time I went, I thought, He's got to get Eddie Edwards because I am Eddie yeah. Lee Edwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never did. The, the yeah, only time did. you did it, you put a bucket on my head and you said, because I was in old black, uh, and you said, it is Darth <laughs> Vader. And my laugh, <laughs> <laughs> it was priceless. 
So oh, no, yes, the Eddie was an open goal, really, that we should have <laughs> been I still get it to this day. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you uh, went on stage, uh, uh, um, uh, either um, uh, on the show or yeah. uh, recording absolutely or anything, were you ever nervous? Do you ever get nerves when you appear on stage? Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> no, but badly nervous. I didn't when I was very young. When I was right. starting at the festival, it used to drive Murray mad that I would just saunter in, not a care in the world, wander on stage. It was fine. Um, but then something happened, and probably involving smoking too much weed, actually, <laughs> 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 that made me um, that made my ego die slightly. Uh, so I just then I started, oh no, I, I did be, I did begin to get nervous, but it's better. I, I don't mind the nerves now. It keeps no. you on your toes and. If you're doing a long run, that first night is still killing, particularly if you're doing a live show. Yeah, so yeah. So the Edinburgh Festival, and it's an hour, 60 yeah. or 70 minutes of just you. That must be Only you talking, then just to remember it and keep on top of it yeah. can be quite quite terrifying. Um, but, you know, I do I do improve as well in, in Scots. Yes. So I, you know, I, I can, if I lose my way, I can generally find my way back. And once you've done it once and you get that first laugh, then you relax, and then the nerves the next night are less and less and less. But certainly going on to do that chat show, you know, knowing that Spice Girls were sitting out there, and it was such a big deal. That was probably the most nervous I've been. Wow. Again, well, you never showed it. You yeah, really it was okay. Throw, my friend. Yeah, I can't I can, I can hide the nerves, but they're but they're there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think anyone who says they're not. You know, yeah. the they're most- either crazy or Eddie Izzard. <laughs> the most creative thing I ever did, other than this podcast, um, I wrote a play, yeah, uh, and uh, and appeared in it with my mate. Uh, it's 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 called the applicant, and we put yeah. it on for comic relief in twenty oh seven. Yeah, and, and it's basically about uh, it's me coming down from Carlisle to London. I've got a very yeah. successful girlfriend, and I've never had a job. So it's my first ever interview, and and my right. my mates played all the different interviewers. I've yeah. interviews, and at the end of it, I get given my ideal job, and uh, I die on stage. It kills me, and and the last and the last um, scene is me at the gates of heaven or hell or whatever, going yeah. looking at God, going, "Why am I here?" He said, "Well, we can see." You're very good at interviewing. You could interview corpses for heaven or hell. And I shrugged my shoulders and that's it. <laughs> so it was monologue. Uh, then he'd come on and we'd do the interviewing monologue, interview monologue. Yeah. We did three of these. We rehearsed it for 12 weeks. I wrote the thing. When we when yeah. I ran out on the first night, looking round, panicking, yeah. I remember I had an interview with the audience, I forgot my lines. Oh. And I had six pages of monologue and I thought, I'm like a rabbit in headlights here. Oh, this man. is awful. And, and, and of course, with certainly comedians, but also on TV as well, you've got the autocue. Yeah, yeah, God. of course. <laughs> of course. I yeah, mean, so but, much of the fear, so much of the fear is, is, yeah. um, is just losing your line. I did the, oh. the, the, the cop character I play at the King's Theatre in Glasgow, which yeah. is a big, big old theatre. But because the show was me delivering a lecture, part of the prop, part of the set was those two auto cue things that yes. you see when politicians are giving out speech. So I could actually have the the script. And it was just, you just, that, then it's just completely relaxing. Oh, it, I mean, it. it's just there. I mean, I never made a mistake 
on the second or third show. Once he come on, I was fine. Yeah. Did you did you get your lines back on that? Play? I did. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 The, the uh, best line I ever wrote in it, I thought, was his name because I called him Norman Oliver Hope. So all his letters would say Dear N O Hope. See. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> I might well resurrect it at the end of the <laughs> You're game. a pro. You're a hard <laughs> pro. <laughs> I, I also want to say in passing, because we are now sort of like um, uh, into the 2000s, when uh, you finished the Jack Dogty show, yep. and about two years later, yep. I've never forgotten this, I was walking uh, through St. Martin's Lane, and you were in a pub, and you said hello to me. And you bought me a pint, and we and we sat. And I said, "What are you doing now?" And you were about to write the creatives. It was about ninety seven, ninety eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And can I have a thumbs up for that, please? Because that was a brilliant yeah. series. Because my brother um, makes adverts, and he said, uh, okay. "It was so true." Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. you because you did two series of that. Did didn't two you? series of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yes, yeah, well a small, uh, small ad agency with me and my first um, experience of working with one of my favourite actors, Roger Allen. Oh, he's super. Yeah, well, yeah. Endeavour is just yeah. incredible. Incredible. But, yeah, I've seen him yeah. on stage. The yeah. thick of it and all of that. Yeah. My favourite yeah, yeah. thing about working with Roger was when you're a writer, sometimes you over-explain and you'll write in the dialogue, you know, so Roger's character and then it, it will have him shouting, out, get out of my office. And then you put in, in brackets, angrily, get out of my office. <laughs> and, and Roger would always come up and go, Jack, just thanks, thanks for this, uh, for this little hint here. I, honestly, I'd be, I'd be lost without you. <laughs> oh, oh, I just love the guy. I love the guy. <laughs> but yeah, that was, yeah, that was, I'd, forgot, I'd forgotten about that. I've actually done quite yeah. a lot of my career. Completely the creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. Um, and so did my brother. Um, so in 2012, I went along to a recording of Stop Start, the BBC Radio 4, yeah. which you wrote and acted in. I'd like you to know, I'd like to ask you, how did you get the idea for this? However, before that, yeah. I was sitting in the audience. Yeah. And I could have sworn that you double backed after hearing my laugh because you hadn't seen me for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was because I hadn't. I pretty much gave up performing for almost, I don't know, almost a decade, really. And then I wrote this thing, Stop Star. I can't remember how I got the. I, I guess just being in a, a, a bunch of a group of friends who had all been married for a certain time, you know, 15 years, 20 years. So maybe some of the cracks might be beginning to show. And I always introduced it as a series about three marriages in various states of disrepair. And so it was just sort of being around all these dinner parties and parties and school trips, you know, just seeing couples working great together. Idea, yeah. And I thought it would be great just to do, you know, three couples and also just have, there'd been shows where one person talked to the audience you know, broke the frame, and then there's been since, you know, Fleabag, obviously, most famously. Yeah. But I'd never really seen one where it was like a, a Barney to get the audience's attention, so every character could break the frame and say what he actually meant by that was this, and then the other person would go, no, what I actually meant was that, and they'd be in and out of the dialogue, and you'd keep throwing, and keep throwing to the audience and keep throwing back. And I thought, well, you just need performers that are good enough to do that, you know, 
stand-ups. Brilliant. And what like a Terry cast. Godlin and Bjorn Allen and, and Catherine Parkinson and Charlie Hickson and John Thompson. I mean, it was just a dream, dream cast. And then there was one gap and I thought, well, I can't, I, I, I wrote it for somebody else. I can't remember who I thought was going to play my part. But then I just thought, well, why not? I'll come back to performing because I knew it so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just went for it. And then that got me back into acting, actually. Great idea, great cast. Well done, you. Yeah, you, yeah. You got, you got, was it, was it three series? I on think the we list? did three, three or four series. I can't remember. Now. And then we did a pilot. We did a TV was a pilot. pilot on the TV. I remember. Yeah, which sadly didn't, it didn't quite. We, we, we had to, we, it was maybe we went for BBC One. They said they wanted it for BBC One. It was probably a BBC Two show. So yeah. We took a little bit too mainstream in a way. And uh, Charlie Hamilton weren't available, and, and nothing wrong with the people we brought in. Nigel Hay was fantastic, yeah. but maybe I should have kept the original gang together. It's, you just never know, you know. It's one of those. Well, Kerry, Kerry Godleman's one of my Kerry, favorite yeah, yeah. comedians. Kerry's great. I'd yeah. love to write something else for Kerry. I, I did. Yeah. I liked having Kerry as my as my radio wife, as my she, my occasional evening wife. She's so good. She's she's so good, so good. Yeah. Um, and then in 2014, you yeah. starred in Scott Squad yes. for BBC Scotland. Yeah, yeah. What a success that was. Congratulations. What attracted you to play in the role of Police Chief Meek Michelson? Meekles, Meekleson, yeah. Meekleson. Sorry, I'm English. Yeah, yes, you're not, you're not your Scottish accent, you're English. <laughs> um, again, it was, we made the pilot round about the time I was doing um, Stop Start. And yeah. that was, um, it was a comedy unit show. And I'd just done a show called Battles with, with the Pappies Boys. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was. So I was sort of drifting back into acting at this point. And so the the, the Battles was a comedy unit show. And they were then making um, the Scott Squad. So they asked me to, to, if I wanted to play this part. And it just felt very comfortable right from the off because I know these guys i know these kind of figures of authority in scotland very well uh and i sort of i based it on my dad really um he's, he's very he was very like that um kind of you know an authority figure but lacking a certain amount of authority really <laughs> you know um but a kind of likable authoritarian you know yeah. um and that was my first kind of real real move back into a bit of acting that I knew I would carry on doing. And and I remember sitting doing the first take and being right in the middle of the take and doing it and thinking, well, this is such fun. Why did I stop doing this? This is just brilliant. You know, you're you're here, you're you're playing basically with all these, you know, great people and, and great writers, you know. And because the show is semi-improvised, um that that was that I really enjoyed. So uh, you get you get a script, but it's just in bullet points. This happens, then that happens, then you know. So there's no dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little hint at a dialogue within the script. So then you just take it. You do that, and then you take it wherever else you want to take it. And then so that it it's really freeing, and you don't have to worry about hitting your mark or remembering lines. You know, you have yeah, to yeah, yeah. remember what it's about. But it but it's <laughs> it's kind of loose. And it's it's a it's a lot of fun. So, uh, but again, we just did the pilot. I didn't think it would lead to. We've just finished our eighth series of it. That's incredible. You know? and, and and it's always up for awards. Yeah, yeah, it's been up for the Writers Guild. We've got we've got I think we've been up for five Scottish Baptists and got two of them. So, 
Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it, it's great. And um, yeah, we'll just keep doing it as, as long as we can. You know, Brilliant. It's great fun doing the spin-off shows with the chief re-interviews. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those <laughs> yeah. elections specials and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It's just a really surreal thing because all of these politicians treat him as if he's re really, really the head of the police. So I sit with there with Nicola Sturgeon and we're talking about my pay rise and I'm talking about the dirt, the dirt I've got on her the, for the weekend we got drunk in RSA, you know, and it's just like, she'll be going, I thought you destroyed those photographs. And, you know, it's just, it's, she plays along with anything I throw at her. It's really great. My, my um, favourite experience of that character was yeah. um, for years I was trying to find you on social media and, and yeah. for whatever reason, you know, you're either not on it or you are on it. Thank yeah. God you are now. Um, yeah, but, um, but, but I found uh, the police chief on social media and yeah. I tweeted, I went, I went, um, uh, is, is um, Jack Doherty about? Can I, can I have a word or whatever I said? Yeah. And he came back with, I'm sorry, I've no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> it was so brilliantly done. Yeah, that was probably Joe. That was probably Joe. <laughs> he used to run that account. So I would never know what he was saying. <laughs> But 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 yeah. but that's the magic of the character because he's so serious and as you say authoritarian, he yeah. could say anything. <laughs> yeah, completely. He's one of the. I don't know. Someone cleverer than me said that comedy lies, you know, in the, the gap between who the character thinks he is and who the character actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah all those yeah. all those characters have that big gap, and uh, his, <laughs> his gap is pretty big, to be fair. <laughs> um, in in 2018, you returned to the Edinburgh Fringe with the show. Mikkelsen and McClashen, Serious yep. Men, that which I saw. And then yep. in 1980, uh, 1980, in 2022, I yep. watched your solo show, Nothing But. I saw the preview at the Soho Theatre, and I thought it was the best show I've seen all year. It was oh, so brilliantly done. Thank um, you. I am very, very lucky to go to the Edinburgh Fringe from a holiday every year. I've been going yep. every year since 2005. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love it. Why did you take so long to produce the show there again? I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that question. Um, mm. I just, yeah, I just wasn't doing, life was happening, you know. I, all my kids were growing up. I was, yeah. for a long time, my kids are, my ex-wife is Greek, and we would always head off to Greece for the entire summer. Right. And so I was just never around, you know. And then yeah, the kids were growing up. And also, I just I wasn't performing. I just had given it up. Yeah. Um, and so, but then once I got back into performing, I thought, oh, hang on, actually, this is, this is fun, doing the television. And then they asked me to do the Glasgow Comedy Festival as the chief of police. Yeah, and then that was talking about nerves. That was pretty nerve wracking because I hadn't, I probably hadn't performed live on stage, well, since at least the the, the chat show days. I mean, that's kind of yeah, yeah. I hadn't done an actual show live on stage since '93, so it was like 20, 20 odd years since I'd performed live on stage, and I was coming straight back to do an hour and forty five minutes in character in the King's Theatre in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> Standing in the way, oh, well, this is going to be this could go badly wrong, <laughs> you know. And I, we hadn't even rehearsed it because I hadn't had time, we'd only just finished writing it. So I basically went out and did it for the very first time that night. Um, but it worked, 
It was cool. It was fine. So it was thought, so, oh, this so is good. great. This is good. So I thought, well, I time to get back to the festival. And it's one of my regrets. Now that I've done, I did the, the, the character show and then I did nothing but. And it's one of my regrets now that I, I didn't keep doing it for years. And just I got into that habit of doing a, a new show each year. I really admire people who do that. And it's, it's a oh, you're back. I can always well, do it from now on, you know. Yeah, you're I'm, back. So, I, yeah, I yeah. want to see a lot more. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nothing um, but it's been a lot of fun doing that because it's very difficult. Tell me, tell me how that came about because that's like a love letter to Edinburgh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it was just it's a show set in at the Edinburgh Festival. Yeah, amazing. Uh, you know, about a failed romance many years ago. And then it turns out, to, you know, it's about my character looking for this woman that he was in love with, you know, 30 years ago, but then actually get reconnecting with his daughter instead. So it's a kind of bittersweet and it's the most serious thing I, I, I've ever done. But because it was, I, it was the perfect Edinburgh Festival show because that's the backdrop. So I thought, well, that's the perfect place to do it. So I actually did it first at the in the lockdown festival in 21. Right. And I tried it out there in a in a smaller venue where people had to sit in clumps of two seats far apart. Yeah. The back door would be open, the fan would be on, so it had its challenges. But it worked. It worked really well. And I thought, well, I'll do it properly. And I'll, so I toured it around Scotland. I did the Soho Theatre for a week, which had always been my ambition to play the Soho Theatre because it's such well, a it was a, it was a pleasure watching you oh, there. I go there. I go there nearly all the time. Yeah, I just it's my favorite venue in London. Yeah. So to play yeah. it was just great. And hopefully I'll get a chance to do something else there at some point. And then went back and did it um at the festival. Um, and the great thing about it is that well you've seen it and the thing that because the title hints at it, the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, that people don't know I present it as a true story, but people don't know if it is or not. And, it came, and, it came and, across as very honest, very intelligent, very, very funny. Yeah, yeah, well, thanks, but not necessarily um, true. <laughs> exactly. But I know, actually had um, people afterwards going, we're not going home until you tell us how much of this is true. <laughs> no, sorry, I, I will never reveal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's the I do, I, it, I, I think it's probably the best thing. I've written that sounds a little bit arrogant. I totally, I, I, I think it's, I think just what, and it's, it I thought it was like, magical. Yeah, and I thought, well, is it only going to work in Edinburgh? But no, it worked at the Soho Theatre perfectly well. I just, a couple of weeks ago, played it in Amsterdam. Brilliant. The audience loved it. You know, so I, I guess it's, it's got universal themes, you know. I'm it's so great. pleased for you to come back yeah. with a show as good as that. Yeah, it's it's it good fun. Shows, it's a lot of fun. And there's a, and a few companies have come in for it, you know, it's saying, oh, can we... Good man. Good hopefully, man. I can. Um, hopefully, I can. I'm going to try and adapt it for television. So we'll see how we get. Oh, that would yeah. be brilliant. Be yeah, brilliant. yeah. I can't please come forward with that. Please do. Um, in your extensive comedy career, yes. What has been your highlight to date? Oh, that is so difficult. I think we've probably, I think we've probably covered all of the high, to get a to get that Channel Four show to get absolutely. That was it. To be commissioned to do a show with your school friends, yeah, and you know, two new friends, it was just—it seemed unbelievable. It was like you know, for us, it was like getting a, a recording contract when you were a band, you know, and you get you can That's release your so first good. album. That's what it felt like, you know, and it was just you know, it shouldn't happen. You don't get a television series. But it does. It does happen. That's the great thing. And actually, that's why I always think the best, often the best shows are kind of organic and come out of friendships and performers. It doesn't always yeah, work yeah. to put people together. I mean, it does work as well, but you know, it, often that's the way. So I'd say that, 
Uh, I would say um, hanging with Bowie was obviously we mentioned that that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that must have been amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was just the most surreal thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> and then you know, and the most recent things I have to say, yeah. get, coming back to acting through Scott Scott, which I just love doing, and and finally having the courage to try and write something slightly more serious and it working in nothing but has been a great. I'm a great so pleasure. so pleased yeah. for you because yeah, so I'm, because I'm, I'm really happy as well. You, you are a writing talent. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Um, I've been watching comedy for most of my life. Yeah. How do, how do you think comedy has evolved over the last 50 years? Well, there's a, there's a <laughs> question. <laughs> there's a question you can answer in one sentence. <laughs> there are entire university theses written <laughs> on this subject. But it just keeps evolving, doesn't it? And it's, it's cyclical amazing. as well. It's cyclical. You notice that surreality will give way to satire, you know? Mm -hmm. Often when the Tories are in power, you'll get the good satirical show. You know, and when we were writing Spitting Image, the whole of the 80s was a lot of what we would say political comedy and satirical comedy. And then we got a little bored of that and thought, well, absolutely, let's just go back to surreality. We were, you know, obviously like everybody, we loved the Python, so we would, we thought, let's try and take it down that road again. And then that kind of ushered in a, then it all became the fast show and the Bob and the League of Gentlemen. There was a decade again of kind of surreality. And then satire comes back and you get more of the panel shows and you mock the weeks and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the way it's developed most recently, though, and I think it's a good thing, is um, the, 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 the way that the comedy that kind of attacked people, you know, attacked the people that, you know, that would be, seen as being weaker in society or you're laughing at people rather than with them that that's all dying out now yeah yeah um that certainly the move to when i was growing up you know you would have a like our sketch show you'd have a sketch show and you'd have one woman in the, in the troupe <laughs> you know and now you know for me oh, the best comedy that's been done is is all by women i mean all my favorite shows pretty much I the agree. Last five years from girls to Fleabag to Mae Martin's show to yeah. to Ashley B's show, you know, yeah. they're all female led. And it's like suddenly it's just. And that's wonderful. It's, yeah, it's just opened up. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's yeah. their world and we just live in it. Now. Yeah, yeah. One <laughs> of them. And it's just so that that's changed. It's got hopefully more equal in opportunity. It's still a long way off, but I hope it has. Oh, I hope to God. Yeah, and, yeah. Because um, there are so many out there. Um, one of the major things about my blog is that it's yeah. not just the big comedians that I support, it's the it's the up-and-coming comedians as well. Yeah. But I what I do is I uh, document every single gig I've been to and watching them develop it like you is extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. As a, a my my favorite opening line ever was from Harry Hill 30 odd years ago yeah downstairs at the King's Head he brushed past me he was late for the show he jumped up on the stage and he went ladies and gentlemen I'm really sorry I had to have a testicle brought down and there was a pause and a laugh and then he said from Derby and everybody fell about <laughs> 30 years later I met him and I told him yeah. this story he went, oh Richie said I still tell it now <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how he had the massive yeah. success with TV Burp, and now he's doing little rooms yeah. again. He must love 
to go back and just perform, you know. So, so yeah, it's, yeah, completely. It's wonderful. Well, I still, I still, every time I look at a little individual packet of cornflakes in, in the yeah. hotel we're staying in, I remember seeing Harry Hill a million years ago, and he came on. He was wearing one as a little hat, like that, but he didn't mention it for like twenty minutes. And then finally just went, oh, these new conflict hats are rubbish. It was perfect. <laughs> um, talking of Harry Hill, who are your favorite comedians, past and present? Um, I think it's interesting when I'm asked this, because it, it seems to me that it's always double acts. And I've you know right? I've been in a double act myself, Murray. Um, but when I go back, my earliest memories watching Laurel and Hardy with my grandfather and loving Fantastic. just loving Laurel and Hardy and just obsessed they are, they were. I was very little you know and I still just absolutely have you have you been to the museum at Ulverston's the Laurel no and no I should I just filmed well the old, um, yeah the old Glasgow yeah um, the old Glasgow one in Argyle Street where Stan Laurel performed and there's a great part uh, of that's really a museum as well yeah, yeah, photographs yeah. of him and all the other performances. Oh, fantastic! Um, on the on the little um, the variety, um, the variety uh, theatre in yeah. Street in Glasgow. That's really worth it. So them and then Morecambe and Wise, of course, were oh. another when I was about, and that got me into writing because my mother gave me a, a collection of scripts written by Eddie Braben. Wow! I was, I was probably only about ten, um, but I I remember. I got these scripts and I was really fascinated by how they, they were formatted, and how yes. he described the physical comedy and then how the lines worked and all of that. But I also, and I've said this many times, so I apologize if anybody's heard it before, but on the back, it had, which is still one of my favorite jokes, which had um, Ernie Wise and Eric Morecambe, not his real name. He was named after his hometown of Eric in Lancashire. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember getting it, reading that, and actually you know, going to my mum and explaining to her why it was so funny. You know, but you think you think it's going to be Morecambe, but it's not. It's Eric. Brilliant. And that, I don't think my sense of humor has got much more sophisticated. <laughs> it's still, I love that kind of. Oh, where are we going with this? Oh no. Cool. Uh, yeah, and then you know, on to Rick, you know, Rick and Rick and Aid, and then Vic and Bob, yeah, Ian Herring, and I just. Yeah. French and Saunders, you know, and there's something for me about, I, I like stand-up. I, I, I'm very fond of a lot of stand-ups, but there's something about seeing two people yeah, yeah. interacting on stage with each other that just gets a kind of relationship vibe yeah. going and it heightens the kind of drama because I love that conflict and contest and constant fight for status that double acts have, you know. Yeah, yeah so it's basically, the, these are my heroes of the double act people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The reason why the blog exists it, for me is because of Morecambe and Wise. I, I yeah. can remember aged about four, yeah. Um, yeah. looking around everybody in the house on Christmas yeah. Day, everybody from old to young, crying with laughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there is something about the twiddle of the glasses or the yeah, Tommy Cooper yeah. fairs or they're not doing anything and yeah. they're hilarious. What, yeah, what just they, they, they first ever... Uh, act I saw live, age seven, was in Scarborough. We saw Les Dawson on holiday, who was is my top five. And yeah. then a year later, we saw Tommy Cooper. Um, and that was just extraordinary. The curtains open. He's lying yeah. on on a bed just asleep. And <laughs> yeah. one woman in the crowd starts pissing herself laughing, and it trickles round. 
Yeah. Everybody's laughing and he pops his head up and he goes, what, what? somebody come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a genius. Yeah. Then Ken Dodd, the two runners. I've seen yeah. everybody but Markham and Wise in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. I saw a few of them when we were holiding places like, oh, I'd love to. Southport I've, and, you know, I've got all the books and everything. All the old school. But then I would come back and then I discovered the festivals. So sort of when yeah, they're, they're all going to appear people but, to the to seeing Rowan Atkinson with Richard yeah. Curtis when I was about 15 and they were doing a sort that he was doing well again a kind of double act thing, which Curtis was the straight Brilliant. thing. And they you, were and, you, you and me both. I saw I yeah. saw the new review tour at uh, college. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson and Angus Deaton was the straight man. Yes, of course. Uh, yes, and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that was a highlight. So Ben Elton and Rick Mail yeah. in Carlisle. He was incredible. Brilliant. Yeah, Rick Mail uh, was incredible, wasn't he? Yeah. The the I used to go at the Rick Mail was extraordinary. Yeah. I used I I I used to go at the comedy store when I first came down. Yeah. And, First on the bill there was Linda Smith. Yes. One of the best. Um, Phil, Phil Jupitus was on. Yeah. Richard Morton was on. It was just on and on and on. And then right up to now, of course, yeah. going every week, uh, yeah. I get to see all the up-and-coming yeah. comics and the, and the big comics as well. I yeah. love Swidicum. Let me uh, tell you a quick story about going to Los Angeles with Marwena from Absolutely Marwena Banks. Um this was to be in 85 so this was before these people were famous but we went to see we went to the the improv to see the the the, the stand-up and there was a couple of right a couple of comedians there who were introduced as writers for letterman or you know something and then larry david came yeah. on and did stuff and then roseanne barr <laughs> did stuff and then uh seinfeld was on the bill Wow. We were sitting there going, Jesus Christ, the standard's very good in America. <laughs> you know, we were we were like 23 or something, 24. And then and right at the end, we told that you can't top that. And then they went, Well, he just happens to be done and he wants to do 20 minutes. Here's Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't get any better. I mean, imagine that as a bill. That's you know, and obviously this was pre-Roseanne and pre-Seinfeld. So <laughs> they weren't on the telly, but my God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my friend, I yeah. have so much enjoyed talking to yeah. you. And well, nice talking to you, man. Just before we go, yeah. is there anything else you would like to say? Are you writing anything for TV or radio? <clears throat> well, or no, I just, I'm adapting nothing but, and we're looking at doing more chief stuff. And yeah, and then I need to get on to the next new thing, whatever it will be, but I don't know what it is yet. Well, uh, I am... Although I've got, I do have a title for a show, but I don't know if I'll do it. I'm thinking of doing a show called David Bowie and Me Parallel Lives. Because I like how anyway, like, that's genius. I think, I, think, <laughs> I think just, you know. That's brilliant. No, I'll, I'll, so I'll start brilliant. writing that tonight. See how start writing it tonight. Yeah. You, um, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, they can. I'm, I'm, I hardly ever use social media, I have to say, but I am just at Mr. Jack Doherty on Twitter. And I think Instagram, I've got to start using Instagram. I think I've posted about four times. Oh, you've said <laughs> hello to me. Which said, is... Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm always a bit late, I guess, because I check it like once every month and there'll be a few messages from people. Oh, we're going to well, check I... it. But um, yeah, you can find me there, but I'll, um, yeah, I'll start using it properly, I hope. If Twitter survives, of course. If Twitter survives, of course, we'll, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. I cannot wait to see you again live. Because I think you're a major, major comedy talent. I'm so delighted to have had you as a guest on tonight. It's 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 just been wonderful chatting to you. Thank and all the very best to you. 
Well, and thank you, thank you, Richard, and um, I'll, I'll see. You, well, I'll see you in the. I'll see you there. I'll see you in the audience sometime. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Definitely, man. my friend. All the best to you. Take care now. See ya.